Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have a full studio, but not the normal full stu- studio. We're missing um, Josh Bales. And, but thankfully, we do have representation from the well. Um, Paul, good to have you here this morning. Thank you, brother. It's great to be here. Now, we've been working our way through uh, the seven churches um, that you find in Revelation 2 and 3. Does somebody want to just do a quick summary of what these letters are and why should they be of concern for us today, 2,000 years later? Well, um, one of one of the most fascinating things in the book of Revelation uh, is these letters to the seven churches in chapter 2 and 3. Uh, these are actual hi- hi- churches uh, that uh, were uh, uh, in, the fir- in the late first century. Um, they are actual historical locations. Uh, so uh, much of the book of Revelation is filled with symbolism, and so are these letters, but they're written to actual churches. And the fact that there's seven... Um, now, num- numbers in the book of Revelation are very important. Um, seven is, is a number of completeness, um, fullness. And so the fact that seven letters are written to seven churches, and it covers a broad variety of uh, challenges uh, in these churches, and, and also uh, this is the voice of, of the Lord himself, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, sending these letters, um, writing these letters. Um, and uh, there's affirmations, and there's also uh, challenges, rebukes uh, in these letters. Uh, but they are just as timely today as they were at the end of the first century when they were first written down. And I, I think we should just note, clearly there were more than seven churches at this time yes. in the history of the church. So when you begin to think about the particular churches that were chosen, <clears throat> that implies that there were other churches that weren't. So you have in each of these letters variations of content and concerns and issues that are going on, right. which then lends itself to the idea that you're dealing with representation for the church of all ages that right. these seven were picked for particular reasons that have ongoing application for the church of, of all time yeah. and each of these they it begins with an address and uh, the lord uh, jesus christ is addressing the church uh, there's an identification of who he is in his character, um, you know, different points of his character and attributes are are brought out in different letters. There's he 
he declares his omniscience of what is happening in each of these churches. Since he's the head of the church, he knows what's going on in the church. Uh, he gives that evaluation. He gives an encouragement and a con- commendation at times. And then he also identifies the problems that might be found in that particular church. Uh, he, he, along with that, there is, uh, you know, a promise that is given, uh, a, a rebuke that is given, and and then we're told the duty of those churches as well. And then finally, uh, it concludes with, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the church. And this goes to your point, Russ, that uh, he's not just dressing seven churches, he's dressing all of his churches in doing that. He's encouraging us to listen to what the Spirit of God says. So we are now in chapter 3. Uh, does somebody want to read what Jesus says to the church in Sardis? And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. You, Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So right up front, you you have um, Jesus saying the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So Jesus is saying something about himself. So what is he saying when he says he's the... There's, he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. There's two things there. One is one is uh, we we understand the seven spirits of God to to be the Holy Spirit. The He is the one who pours out the Holy Spirit on the church, and these seven um, stars represent those those churches that represent the church. So, in, in one hand, he he's pouring out the Spirit of God on the church, and the other, it, you know, he has the church. Um, would that those two things come together? Uh, this is the, this is the problem. Sometimes you you have uh, the identity of the church, but you don't have the Spirit of God being manifest in that particular church. And so, this is this is the one who who pours out the Spirit. And yeah, how does and that relate? Oh, go ahead, Phil. Well, I was going to say, let's let's keep in mind uh, that the numbers in the book of Revelation are symbolic. And I mentioned earlier the number seven is a, a, a number of completeness. And uh, so when it says uh, that Jesus uh, holds the seven spirits of God, it, that doesn't mean that God has seven different spirits. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a reference to the one Holy Spirit of God. It's the same. It's the same reference you have in John uh, in Revelation one, uh, beginning in verse uh, seven, I believe it is, where uh, he, uh, he 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 he. It's not verse seven. The address, the greeting to the seven churches. You know, grace to him and peace to from him who 
was and is and is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. That's a kind of a Trinitarian reference. You have you have the reference to God the Father, you have the reference to Jesus Christ, you have the reference to the Holy Spirit in the seven spirits. Mm-hmm. That fullness, the idea, this is, this is the true and complete and real spirit of mm-hmm. God. And how does this this introductory phrase talking about Jesus as the one that is giving the Spirit, the one that um, sends the Spirit to the church, how does this relate to the content of the letter? Well, the Spirit gives life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the Spirit who uh, regenerates us. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that gives life uh, to to His church. Um, if, if there is any life in uh, in, in uh, the way that Jesus uh, promised, I you know, give you life and and give it to the full. Um, there is um, there's this the, reference in Sardis there that they have the reputation for being alive, but they're dead. They yes, they don't have this life of the of the spirit working in their church. They have the reputation right. for it, you know the 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 outward appearance of all those things, but they don't have the spirit of God. And this is, uh, boy, how, how would you like to get this letter f- f- for your church? This is a uh, stunning rebuke. Uh, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Um, but the, the reference to Jesus being the one who holds, he has the seven spirits of God, he is capable of giving life. And, and he will give life if they repent, if they turn to him. And what, what in the letter... Do we see is the 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 heart of the issue for the Church of Sardis? What's their what's their problem? Well, they they've just simply uh, they're they're apathetic to the things of God in some way. Uh, you know they 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 they're told to rem, you know they're they're told to wake up to remember the, to repent. There's the the idea of being connected to. Um, the life is not there. They they're full of program, uh, you know, and and this could happen in a small church or a large church. But um, they they're very programmed. They're they're active. They're doing. They're so they have a reputation. Hey, look at that church over there, boy. Look, aren't they doing something? Is really what's coming. They are known in this world uh, for being active. They may be there filling the stadium, but they're not uh, alive with the gospel. Yeah, you know, um, and I know, I know you guys are familiar with this. Let's let's bring this into the contemporary contemporary church. There are thousands of books out there uh, promising techniques that will grow your church, uh, and publishers particularly know how to uh, sell books to pastors, and. Uh, they, you know, a book will, an advertisement for a book will cross your desk or, or an advertisement for a seminar or a podcast um, that promises this uh, knowledge, this technique that is going to grow your church. And uh, the Church of Jesus Christ does not find life from technique, uh, from programs from, uh, you know, some kind of secret knowledge. 
um, the the Church of Jesus Christ can only find life given by Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and particularly but, here, the issue is what they lack is holiness. Yes. There's only a few that aren't soiled. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, you hear There's the word, there, but yes. you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. And so the issue is, I mean, this is a John 15. If you abide in Christ, what you do is you you do his commandments. Yes. You're holy. You're the, sanctified. You're pure. And this church, as Jonathan is saying, is active, doing lots of things. They have this pious exterior. They, yeah. You know, they, you know, they, they go about doing church. You know, in fact, in fact, yes. uh, in fact, you will actually hear people talk about doing church um, even today. I kind of my I, I stiffen when I hear somebody say something about doing church because it's not about doing church; it's about being the being church, church, being the church of God. Yeah. And here he's saying, life brings new life. Mm-hmm. The life of of the Spirit brings a change in who we are as a people. And our greatest witness to the world is not the programs that we have to offer. Our greatest witness to the world is to reflect the image of our Creator as we're being recreated by the power of the Spirit. He, he says, I haven't found your works complete, uh, you know, in the sight of my God. They, they're not really living up to the, uh, the promises and the expectations of the, of the Lord. There's, a, there's some imperatives and some indicative that they're not uh, following through on. And so he's telling them five things that they, sh- they should do. They should wake up. They should be alert to that fact. They should repent, to, remember that fact. They should repent. Um, they, they need to, you know, begin to do these things in order to, um, you know, and we're going to have to talk about uh, the Church of Sardis still because we have barely touched the surface here. Yep. So you have been listening to the Gospel for Life and we'll see you tomorrow.